Hello, and welcome to Skilled America, a podcast series devoted to the policies, politics, and people driving the discussion on skills in today's economy. I'm your host, Rachel Unruh, Chief of External Affairs at National Skills Coalition. This is Episode 2, Manufacturing a Response. Now, if you listen to Episode 1, you'll quickly notice a big difference. We've traded in the ballroom and live audience for a home office as NSC does its part to flatten the curve by practicing social distancing. But as our country continues to respond to COVID-19, skilled workers are increasingly finding themselves on the front lines of the pandemic. Leading a lot of that response are America's manufacturers who have stepped up to develop, produce, and ship critical parts and supplies in our country's time of need. We asked two shop owners to share what they've been going through, how their companies are contributing to the fight against COVID-19, and what they think about the sudden attention their essential work has brought to the industry. My name is Tracy Tappany, and I am from the state of Minnesota, um, just outside of our metropolitan area. And I am the owner of a precision sheet metal fabrication company called Wyoming Machine. So Wyoming Machine is what people often refer to as a job shop or contract manufacturer, meaning we don't design any of our own products, um, but we build products for a lot of different companies. Precision sheet metal fabrication is um, kind of similar to origami is the way I often describe it. We start with a flat sheet of metal. We cut it, we bend it, we weld it um, to create a finished product. So it's a little bit similar to origami. When uh, we talk about COVID-19, you know, whether it's as parents of children who are learning at home or as children of older parents or as workers, as employers, community leaders or neighbors, when the impacts of the pandemic really started to become clear, what were your first instincts as somebody who, you know, is dealing with this from a lot of different perspectives? You know, really my first um, feeling about it was a feeling of fear. Um, my parents, they're an older couple, and so concerns about my parents and what might happen to them. Um, both of my kids are in college, um, away from home, so being separated from family during a time like this can be super difficult. Initially, it's it's family, right? You know, I have a wife, three grown children. You know, my first thought is, are they safe? That's Mike Tomasi, president and CEO of AccuRounds a contract precision machining company in Avon, Massachusetts. In the advanced manufacturing space, we're machining and, and assembling high-end, tight-tolerant shafts, pins, and valves for a variety of industries, such as medical, defense, aerospace, semiconductor, uh, robotics, uh, emerging tech. But, you know, we have 75 team members here at AccuRounds, and that's, that's a second family. We are a family, so... You know, 75 people and their families to be concerned about as well. And uh, the, the first thought is, how can we be safe? Manufacturing, as many people may know, um, really has an aging workforce. And I think according to the Society for Human Resource Management, 27% of our workforce is going to retire in the next 10 years. So you know that there are a lot of older people working in this industry. And with so many people that are in a high-risk category because of age, um, I have to say it's it's actually really scary to try to manage people in a situation like that um, because we are so concerned for their well-being. Every hour, every 15 minutes, 10 minutes, you're getting emails and the news is changing. So, you know, my role as owner, president, CEO here has just been 
COVID-19 all day, every day, and, and making sure that we're doing the appropriate things first and foremost to keep our team members healthy and safe. But both Accurounds and Wyoming Machine regularly manufacture critical parts for the industries at the forefront of the response. Here's Tracy Tappany. Most of the companies that we do business with right now are considered um, essential critical infrastructure. And because we're their supplier, we also fall under that classification. So we're making products um, and components that are important during this particular crisis that we're in today. We serve the product handling and packaging industry, serializing and marking of the drugs before they go out into the industry, coding, printing, as well as counting pharmaceutical products. Um, we also serve the filtration industry and the products they supply are critical during this pandemic because besides serving industries like aerospace, transportation, and energy, filtration is needed um, to manufacture medical devices. It's used in the manufacture of pharmaceutics. So there's no part of manufacturing where filtration on machines in environments um, isn't critical to producing things. And without filtration solutions, none of that would be possible. We sometimes build capital equipment for other people that supports a manufacturing production line. If you think of a company making a product like the N95 mask that we're all hearing a lot about, um, they have engineers designing the production lines, and then they have supply chains who build the equipment and other components that are needed to mass produce anything. Um, and without that manufacturing supply chain, mass production of anything would not be possible. So people are thinking about masks, but they don't necessarily know about all the behind-the-scenes manufacturing that has to happen to even make that possible. We make parts that uh, manufacture 80% of the world's flu vaccine, and those machines will be used to address the COVID-19 virus. Here's Mike Tomasi again. We're in queue, potentially, to make some ventilator parts. We're excited to do that, and if that happens, that will take precedent over any of the work that we have. But as Mike would tell us, the effort to contain and fight back a pandemic of this magnitude expands well beyond the production floor. I'm co-chairing the uh, Massachusetts Manufacturing Emergency Response Team. So we're looking, we're meeting every other day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Zoom calls, up to 40 people. Um, and we have doctors, we have manufacturers, we have uh, state administrative personnel, as well as, as, well as quasi-public people. And we're just trying to align our, our resources across the state and seeing who can shift their manufacturing to provide masks and gowns and, and ventilator parts and whatever else that we need. I mean, the need is great. The, the um, outpouring of support has been great. You know, one of the concerns is a lot of people are rushing to make 3D printed masks and whatnot, and they're kind of doing homemade stuff, and that's great, but we need to be careful as a state and a country that we don't just put something together that's unsafe. Somebody could put a filter on there. I heard today that people are putting Roomba filters on 3D printed masks and sounds good, but there could be um, some fiberglass materials in that filter that could be hazardous to your health. So we don't want to be so overzealous that it, we actually create something that could be detrimental to a health worker's um, safety. As for Tracy and her team, they were called to action almost immediately. So in the last couple of weeks, we did get an order that was twice as big as normal, and it was a component for a ventilator. Wyoming Machine typically manufactures 5,000 of these ventilator components in a year. But in order to aid the care and recovery of patients suffering from COVID-19, they had to double a year's production in just a couple weeks. What was that like? 
Yeah, I'm going to tell you that um, certainly it depends on the kind of product that it is because products have varying degrees of complexity and, you know, that's going to determine how long it takes to make and whether or not you need to do anything in particular. Um, but if it's a simple part, sometimes it's not a really big deal to produce it, even if the part is the most important part you could possibly be making at this time. The part wasn't too complex for us, and so we could produce it and ship it very quickly, and we were very glad that we could do that. Um, but if it is a more complex part, you know, sometimes it would require um, adding additional workers or adding additional shifts, which could be super difficult, um, because even though we're in a nationwide crisis related to a health situation, um, we're still dealing with a significant skilled worker situation as well. Well, so that's an interesting point. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, when we think about a crisis like the one we're going through, it can create some new or unique challenges, but often a crisis will just bring existing challenges into more stark relief. How important is skills training and having a skilled workforce to keeping Wyoming Machine running on a regular basis, not just in times of crisis? And then has it become more important now? Um, I'm going to start by telling you that training is always important. Um, there's not, you know, a day or a week that goes by that you don't think about what training is available, who needs more training. That's really embedded in the fabric of manufacturing as a whole. So whether you're in a crisis state or you're operating just according to your normal day to day, training and skills are incredibly important. So we, we've had a demand for, for skilled workers for as far back as I can remember. And I can even go back. I'm a second generation family business owner. And I can go back and reference an article in the 70s that I have a copy of where my father was quoted saying, just give me a few good men. So this has been going on for a while. You know, we've struggled to find uh, experienced talent and we're doing all sorts of activity to address that. But since, you know, COVID-19, it's really highlighted the issue because we have certain team members that may uh, have some immune deficiencies that have chosen to stay home from work. So we're running about 80% of our full capacity of talent. So we're spreading whatever talent we can across as many disciplines as we can on the floor. Here at Wyoming Machine, we are able to offer many of our employees um, on-site virtual training through our community um, and technical college partners. And so, um, that is really a blessing right now during this critical time. And I actually had four people yesterday that um, even with all that we have going on, we're able to start skills training classes through this particular system. Um, three of them are engaged in a blueprint reading class. And one of my leaders is taking a manufacturing leadership class, um, all of which are skills that I need to keep developing in the company, even in spite of the crisis that we're having. When it came to the importance of skilled workers to day-to-day -day operations at Accurounds, Mike didn't mince words. It's critical. It's, you know, if we don't have the proper training support, we won't survive. It is a matter of survival and, and ensuring that we have a workforce of the future. So the training has to be constant, needs to be coordinated and continuous. Tracy agrees. We don't know how long this is going to last, and we don't know from day to day, what could happen next. And I'm a real believer that when it comes to skills training and trying to get people up to speed um, to do the work that needs to be done, you can never let your foot off the gas pedal and you have to keep moving forward. A detriment now because of this, this, the social distancing, we can't do the type of on-the-job training that we've been doing. 
it's just part of our everyday work. We can't buddy up and have somebody right next to somebody else in the machine. So it's put a big pause on, on the job training for us. The pipeline was left dry for a couple of decades, and we have a lot of catching up to do. Um, and we've done some good things locally and nationally, but there's a lot more work that needs to be done. Sometimes I think we all um, can take for granted that the things that help us get through our days at the best of times and at the most challenging times, that those things have to be made by someone somewhere. And I think um, people are becoming much more aware of manufacturing when suddenly, you know, the supply chains and the products that impact their daily life or that, you know, are needed for health um, and wellness become challenged. So how do you feel about the importance of manufacturing being kind of thrust into the spotlight right now? Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. Just yesterday, I was emailing uh, an individual at MIT that's on the um, emergency response team, and she was asking if she could have uh, an associate document our activity. And I said, that's a fantastic idea because we needed to take this opportunity that a light is being shined on our industry and highlight it. Um, it is the core of our country and, and it's what's needed. And unfortunately, people are realizing it in a crisis situation. We struggle all the time um, to try to raise awareness about our industry, to keep people informed about the important work that we do. But it's very difficult. All the equipment and supplies that are needed right now that we keep hearing about are going to be supplied through manufacturing. You know, and if you're talking about ventilators, masks, medicines, manufacturing is going to play a role in that. If you're talking about hand soap and hand sanitizer and cleaning products that people need right now, manufacturing is going to play a role in that. And if it's computers, phones, infrastructure that are allowing so many people to work at home right now and stay safe, manufacturing is playing a role in that. And, you know, my hope would be is that when this crisis is over, people won't forget about manufacturing um, and realize that it is needed in everyday life, regardless of whether or not we're in a crisis. So industries like manufacturing that really depend on skilled workers are stepping up right now when the country's in need. Are you getting the support from Washington that you need to continue to supply these vital components that you're manufacturing um, for the country and for the world? I think that Washington can and should do more to support initiatives that can increase the number of skilled workers in the U.S., not just in manufacturing, but across all of the industries that re are relying on skilled workers. My expertise is in manufacturing and the skills needed there, but I also know that in our healthcare system, they're struggling with the same thing. People that don't have the skills to fill the positions they have. And, you know, I'm hopeful that when things return to normal, that the importance of manufacturing and skilled men and women working in the industry is not going to be forgotten until the next time that something bad happens. That's not the way that we're going to develop um, the skilled workforce that we need in the U.S. so that we can continue to supply the products and offer the services that people need um, to live, you know, safe, healthy, happy, productive lives. And we cannot forget this when COVID-19 hopefully is gone in the very near future. Um, and we have to get back to work on the issue of how we're going to train people and how we're going to build that skilled workforce. We need more consistent long-standing policies and investments in training. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk around apprenticeships and some activity being done there. Um, better coordination between federal policy and state activity would be nice. 
So you can leverage some of that, some of the dollars that are being spent and making sure they're being spent um, in the most effective manner. Um, I know locally, Voc Tech schools are getting um, a little more play and trying to light up the schools after two o'clock and, and have some training take place in the afternoons and evenings, whether it's for uh, existing students getting additional training or um, displaced workers that want to switch careers and realize that advanced manufacturing is a solid career. You know, you, you talk about all the all the layoffs, right? That the the horrible number uh, yesterday, the day before, three point two eight million people filed for unemployment. Um, I I venture to guess not a lot of those people were working in manufacturing companies because manufacturing people uh, are staying open; they're an essential business, and it's more further proof that it's a stable, stable job and career. You know, COVID has really put a spotlight on the fact that. Not all heroes wear capes and not all heroes have four-year degrees. When you think about folks who are on the front lines right now, driving trucks, working in warehouses, working in grocery stores, the front lines of healthcare, and in manufacturing, are there any heroes in your company who you want to call out? You know, our heroes here at Wyoming Machine don't necessarily wear capes and they don't have college degrees. Um, maybe a few people do, but the majority do not. They're here every day wearing work boots and safety glasses, and a lot of times they have calloused hands, but they're heroes nonetheless. Yeah, you know, yeah, I hate to single anyone out. I mean, we had our huddles today at noontime, and uh, I just thanked our entire team for showing up, showing up for work, practicing the social discipline, practicing the stepped-up hygiene, and, and providing what our customers need and, and assisting and, and curing this, uh, this pandemic. You know, we have some some younger individuals that have come out of Oak Tech schools that, that didn't go to college. But, you know, learning is lifelong. So there's many pathways to success. College is one, but it's not the only one. And um, we've provided the additional training over the years for some individuals here that are, that are rising stars that have been recognized nationally. And, um, you know, we're, we're thrilled to see uh, individuals get, get highlighted. But really, it, it's it's all about team here. And. You know, we, uh, we abide by our core values. As essential workers, our employees are expected to come to work even when we're being told that staying at home saves lives. And I think that, you know, here at Wyoming Machine, we support the idea of staying home to save lives and stay away from people. But there isn't a lot of understanding or recognition that if, if we all decide to stay home, we will not solve this problem that we're in right now. And so our heroes have been making sacrifices um, at Wyoming Machine by doing things like volunteering to change their work schedules. Um, you know, a lot of people struggle if they're normally a day shift employee and all of a sudden somebody needs them to work on a night shift. It can be super disrupting, um, both for the employee's sleep habits, but as well as for their family and home life. But we have had people knowing that we have to try to create greater distance between people in the company in order to keep everybody safe who have stepped forward and agreed to temporarily move to different shifts um, so that we can continue to operate and supply the products that our customers need to help our country get through the crisis that we're in. Our gratitude to you for all you're doing and, and for talking to us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Rachel. Thank you. And thank you, uh, National Skills and Business Leaders United for all the good work you're doing down there in DC. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for taking time to highlight, you know, the necessity of skills in our country. I appreciate it.
Tracy Tappany is the owner of Wyoming Machine, a precision sheet metal fabrication company in Stacy, Minnesota. She also sits on the executive committee of Business Leaders United, a joint project of National Skills Coalition and National Fund for Workforce Solutions. Mike Tomasi is the president and CEO of Accurounds, a precision machining company in Avon, Massachusetts. He is the chair of the Business Leaders United Executive Committee. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, we'll hear from two guests who are part of the rapid response to training healthcare workers on the front lines of the COVID crisis. I hope you'll join us. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Unruh. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time for another in-depth look at Skilled America. 